Hello. Hi. Welcome to Truly Fabulously Monstrous. A podcast about true crime and cryptids. I am one of your hosts, the very frustrated at the internet one, Hattie James. And I am your other host, also frustrated at the internet on your behalf because I know it's stressing you out. I'm Kevin. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> Hi, Hattie. The, the internet is not like stressing me out. It's just, it's almost 1030 at night when we're recording this now because we just spent 40 minutes trying to charge my phone and then another 30 minutes trying to get the internet to work. Darn you, internet. Shakes fist. <laughs> Old man shakes fist at internet speed. Yeah, sometimes I miss dial up. Yeah, well, my thing is, like, I did a health check on this side, and it's like, you're running at 5 gigahertz with 300 megabits per second, and it's like, that should be good, and then when I was looking at the health checks, it's like, you're running at 50 megabytes per second, <laughs> and it's because I share bandwidth with at least the top floor. Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, because I'm in an apartment complex, so 300 megabits per second. At least it's just with the building and not with the whole... Because there's like multiple apartment buildings in your complex, yeah. Complex, no. so at least it's not with like the whole complex. Yeah, no, it's just my I building. Hope. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just my building. Uh, that's, well, silver lining. Yeah. You know how when you're really tired, songs get stuck in your head on a more, a, a more aggressive level? Yes, yes I do. So Umbrella Academy is very popular right now. And because I like like fifty, is it the is it the Constantinople song in your head? No, it's um, oh, because that's what's in my head. That was stuck in my head. It's going to be now. Thanks, Kevin. Constantinople, though you can't go back to Constantinople. That's Constantinople. Yeah, <laughs> it's the because I happen to like like five million videos that were people cosplaying yeah and now it's all over my yeah. tiktok so thank you for you're that. welcome uh mine is people either cosplaying um allison and having her looking dr- dreamy eyed or cosplaying luther and it's six feet tall and super strong <laughs> than that and it's only a 15 second clip and I don't know what they're saying in the other half because I don't pay attention enough but it's six feet tall and super strong <laughs> oh okay oh wow we haven't even started the episode <laughs> already derailed <laughs> because we're tired it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and I'm not editing any of this out because I don't care fantastic <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome to Truly Fabulously Messy. <laughs> I'm your exhausted host who's going insane. Oh. oh. So this is the Thursday episode, which means that you, on Tuesday, you told me about an awesome cryptid that wasn't really a cryptid, but was still awesome nonetheless. Yeah, I think at this point, it's it will, it's still like a podcast about true crime and cryptids. But I think at this point, it's a podcast about true crime and spooky, monstery things. Folk, folklore yes. and cryptids. The, this episode, it's my turn for a true crime. And this topic was kind of a scramble for me, because the original topic I wanted to do, I ended up not being able to do it. Which happens. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> I totally didn't do this morning, like as soon as I got up. I'm very prepared and I definitely did it before today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> not true. I woke up at like 10 o'clock and I was like, I'm going to go buy new bed sheets. And I came back home and was like, oh, I should probably write I loved your, your tick. Oh, your tic My goodness, I'm so tired. Your Snapchat today about, I went to go get new bed sheets. Explain why I came out of the store with a new company. I have a problem and that problem is that I can't stop buying blankets. You've seen how many throw blankets I have in this house. There's at least two I in every room. I love the amount of throw blankets you have. It's amazing. And they're all covered in it's cat fun. hair. Anywho. All right. I'm going to tell you about Marianne Burdock. <gasps> Do you know who I'm doing? Yes. Okay. Well, then, since you know who it is, maybe then you can help with some of the places that I probably should have looked up where they are, and then I didn't. Um... <laughs> Anyway, Marianne was born in Ross-on-Wye. Do you think I know how to pronounce that, Kevin? <laughs> no. Uh, well, okay, so she was born in a place in 1805, and then when she was a teenager, she moved to Bristol in order to find work. She found work as a domestic house servant, a.k.a. a maid, and her first job as a housemaid, she worked uh, for this family for 18 months before she was ultimately fired for stealing from her employer. If she did spend time in jail for that, it wasn't a super long time because very soon after this, she found herself a husband who was employed as a tailor. However, she was not the type for long-term commitment, um, <laughs> or at least not long-term commitment to this guy, because she soon left him for another lover, this time a wine merchant. <laughs> she then left the wine merchant for a sailor by the name of Charles Wade. And Charles Wade seems to be the one because she seemed determined to stick with him for the foreseeable future. And everything that kind of follows after is because of her commitment to Charles Wade. By this point, by the time she met up with Charles, Mary has gone through several jobs and several lovers, obviously, but now she opens a boarding house. And even though both Mary and Charles are still technically married to other people, they began living openly as husband and wife. I couldn't find any information about whether or not she officially divorced her first husband or he died or there was nothing about that in any of the websites i was on maybe she killed him maybe she did <laughs> if she did she did a much better job of it than she's going to do oops spoilers <laughs> um okay so now she's uh the landlady of this boarding house and seemed to be doing pretty well like there were several permanent lodgers that lived in her boarding house. However, she still was on the hunt for more money. This time, she wanted more money in order to fund Charles's aspirations to open his own shop. As at this point, he was pretty broke still. And I also... 1820. It happens, and I guess... Yeah, I guess by this point... This point, we're now into the very like early 1830s that they both probably were getting tired of Mary being the one financing their relationship. So Mary's probably like, why am I the one paying for everything? And Charles is like, ouch, my 19th century manly pride. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now enter Mrs. Clara Smith. Uh, she was one of Mary's permanent lodgers. She was an elderly widow with a savings of approximately 3,000 pounds. And 3,000 pounds in 1833 would be equivalent to approximately 321,000 pounds today. Wait, say that one more time. 
from where? How much it would be worth? 321,000 pounds today. That's that's what I thought you said, but I needed you to repeat it because I didn't that it did not register in my mind because that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's, that's stupid money as I call she it. She was a rich old that's, lady. She she didn't need to be living in a boarding house. I was just talking to my husband about the fact that if I had stupid money like that, what I'd do with it and like, you know, after paying off student loans, paying off my parents' mortgage and putting a nice cushy down payment on a house for us, I'd take the remaining money and hire a barbershop quartet to follow my POS um, ex-lover that you know who they are to follow him around and sing about what a terrible person he is. That's how much money she had. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, that is how much money she had. Oh my god. So why she was living in a boarding house, I don't know. Because a lot, my mom always says that the richer you are, the cheaper you are. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, because you have that money, you want to hold on to it. You you want to swim in it like Scrooge McDuck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so she moved into Barry Ann's boarding house in September of 1833. By October of that same year, Mary's desire for money had reached the breaking point. And she knew of Mrs. Smith's savings, which she kept under her bed in a box. And so she set out in her endeavor to get rid of the elderly widow and take her money. Clara, although she was quite wealthy, did not trust banks, and so she was one of those old ladies who kept all their money under their mattress. That will be me when I'm stupid rich. Uh, I wish that was me now, but no. Investments and retirement. I don't understand finances. (laughs) Okay, so at this point, Mary sends out one of her other lodgers, a sailor named Edward Evans, to purchase an amount of arsenic for her. And she definitely didn't tell him, hey, I need arsenic for a nefarious plot to murder an old woman. She told him that she wanted to get rid of rats in the house because this was the 1800s and you could absolutely just walk into any store and loudly announce that you wanted to buy a absolute butt-ton of poison to justify it saying you had a rodent problem like no one was checking up on that (laughs) just wander you didn't even have to go into a store probably just wander into the street and go hey i need rat poison and someone's be like oh i got you covered what are you gonna use it for never mind i don't care oh the 1800s (laughs) oh and by the way i found out where ross on y is where is it in southeastern herefordshire england do you know where herefordshire is i do yes i do Okay. And England has fun town names. Yes, and Herefordshire, for those who don't know, is in between London and Cambridge. North of London, south of Cambridge. You said that she was able to buy arsenic, just walk into a store and be like, I need arsenic, and they went, sure, here you go, okay. Yeah, and she didn't even do it. She sent one of her other lodgers to do it. So she got more people involved. That's always a smart thing. Yes, leaving that trail of witnesses. Oh, always. Uh, So on October 17th of 1833, Edward and two of his friends went into a shop and purchased two ounces of arsenic for their landlady. So that's three dudes who can now turn around and go, oh yeah, she asked me to go buy arsenic, so I went and bought her arsenic. There's now three witnesses to that. 
Oh, my sweet baby Jesus. Mary, 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 what are you doing? Being stupid. (laughs) On October 23rd, uh, Mrs. Clara Smith had been laid out by a cold for a few days, and so she had retired to her bed. At this point, she had employed her own servant or maid to tend to her, whose name was whose name was also Mary. Uh, this is Mary Allen. Clara Smith was a rich old lady, so she could do that. Okay. <laughs> so Mary Allen was present when Mary Ann prepared a meal for Mrs. Smith, and in front of Mary Allen, Mary Ann very obviously and not very subtly mixed a yellow powder into the food. My next bullet point is bitches, you stupid. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i don't i don't want to tell murderers how to do their murder but like you mix that stuff into something else ahead of time like into a little vial of spices or something or into like some broth so then you can be like oh hey this food is a little too thick for someone who's suffering from sickness let me add some more broth and then you don't have to tap in suspicious looking powder it's you don't just go Hey, this food needs suspicious unmarked powder mixed in. Do, 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 do. Don't mind me putting obvious poison into this La- food. Label the vile <laughs> turmeric. They'll be like, ooh, where'd you get turmeric? <laughs> so uh, I read in one of my sources that Marianne then confronted Mary Allen immediately afterwards and threatened her to never tell anyone that she had ever even been employed by Mrs. Smith or that she saw anything regarding the food. So maybe she was like, hmm, this is weird. But then she's like, mm, I also don't want to die, so I'll just keep my mouth Yeah, up. I mean, I don't want to say a smart move, but it was probably for the best interest of her life. Okay, so obviously Mrs. Smith uh, eats this food and then within a few hours goes into convulsions and dies. Shocking. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> who would have guessed? So uh, once she was dead, uh, Mary Ann told people that she had not left behind any considerable wealth and that she had only had enough money to afford a burial. Also, once she was dead, like, immediately after she died, she started like going through all her belongings. And this is all stuff that Mary Allen sure witnessed. So she witnessed her going through all of Mrs. Smith's belonging, all the while talking the deceased and conducting herself, quote, in the most unfeeling manner, exclaiming, only to think of the drunken old bitch having this. That that's a, that's a quote from well, I got it from Murderpedia. So she wasn't really good at pretending to be sad. Yeah. Within four months of the death of Clara Smith, uh, Mary Ann had deposited a large sum of money into her do. bank, and she had acquired the shop that she wanted to acquire for do. Charles. Unfortunately, Charles Wade was not really able to enjoy the couple's new wealth for very long, as he died in April of 1830. So it was all for naught. Yes, and uh, Mary, being one who doesn't really care for mourning very long, it was not too long after Charles' passing that she married one of her lodgers, Mr. Burdock, which is how she became Mary Ann Burdock. By this point, it was about six or seven months later, the relatives of Mrs. Clara Smith had become very suspicious of Mary's claim that Clara had died in relative poverty because Clara was the widow of a very successful ironmonger and had been left quite well off when her husband died. 
And as I said before, she did not trust banks, and so she kept all her money hidden under her mattress, meaning that old ladies never yeah. change. I thought that was like a very like not didn't happen till the depression, <laughs> but apparently I'm wrong. Nope. <laughs> old ladies have always been old ladies. Old <laughs> ladies will never change. Hide your money under your mattress. Don't trust banks. <laughs> Does your grandma do that? Uh no, my grandmother's actually pretty chill with her bank. My grandfather worked for he left her pretty pretty well off and she's been real smart about investing a lot of it so she's doing pretty good so uh clara's relatives communicated their suspicions to the police uh the police this was in uh april of 1834 so the police kind of like so now they they've been told about the relative suspicion. They're like, do, 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 do. They kind of start investigating, but it doesn't really gain any traction until December 24th, 1834, when Mrs. Clara Smith's body... Christmas Eve. Yeah, Merry Christmas. They exhumed the old lady's body. (laughs) (laughs) And she was taken for forensic testing. Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. Here's an old lady corpse. <laughs> I'm sorry for the other cackling. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be irreverent. It's just like that's such weird timing. It's like seriously. What do you want for Christmas, little Timmy? I want you to exhume an old lady's body and test her for arsenic poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Although forensic investigative investigative methods of the 1800s were still in the very, very developmental stage, uh, one thing they absolutely knew how to do was test body tissues for um, abnormal chemical buildup. That's really Namely, cool. Yeah, they could test for elevated traces of arsenic. That was pretty cool. And elevated levels of arsenic there were. And so the elevated levels of arsenic combined with the interview of Mary Allen, in which she told the investigating officers that she had seen Mary Ann mix a mysterious yellow powder into Mrs. Smith's food on the night of her death, led to Mary Ann Burdock being arrested on suspicion of murder. Just suspicion of murder? At this point, yes. Okay. Okay, so now she is in custody and waiting trial at the Bristol Sessions of Gaul. Is that how you say that? Um spell it. G A O L. Uh Gaul is jail. Uh is trial pronounced... at the Yeah, Gaul is pronounced jail. Okay. So I just copied and pasted this directly from Murderpedia. Um it says she was awaiting trial at the Bristol Sessions of Jail Delivery for the City. I don't know what that means. No shade to England. I love England. I'm a very big Anglophile, but they have some weird names. Brist- they do. Bristol Jail Delivery for the City. And jail is yeah. spelled the ghoul way. Yeah. Either way, that would be held in April of 1835. Um, my so that's Google her. just tried to to autocorrect it to Bristol g- Jail Delivery of the Placenta. <laughs> Ew. I Google that and I just get the Bristol Jail. So I don't know. Okay. Um. Either way, so she's in custody and her trial is going to be held in April of 1835. So 
that's uh, that's a good couple months for her to be in jail while they develop their case against her. On Friday, April 10th of 1835, her trial commences at the Guildhall before Sir Charles Wetherill. That sounds like a name. Sounds like an after-dinner mint. <laughs> Bad breath? Try uh, Wetherill. With newly uh, added cocaine. <laughs> There's ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it. <laughs> oh. The, pr- the trial proceedings lasted three days. Uh, the crucial evidence, of course, um, that was presented by the prosecution was the testimony of Mary Allen and of the analyst who examined the remains of Mrs. Smith. Throughout the entirety of the proceedings, Mary Ann Burdock loudly protested to her innocence. And following the reading of the verdict, she exclaimed, My Lord, I am innocent. I am innocent standing at this bar. I call upon the Almighty to put his judgment upon me if what I am now saying is not true. I know nothing of it. I am innocent. And the Almighty, I hope, will put his judgment upon me at this moment if I am not innocent. And then she was struck by lightning. (laughs) That would have been some karmic justice. Uh, On Monday 13th, 1835, Mary Ann Burdock was found guilty of the murder of Clara Smith and was sentenced to be hanged two days later. That's a very expedited execution. Yeah. Yeah. So her trial started on a Friday. Her sentence was returned on a Monday and her execution date was on a Wednesday. That was all happened pretty quick. But during the time that she spent in prison leading up to the trial, uh, she had impressed the governor and the matrons at the prison. I guess when it suited her, she could be a nice person and make people like her. Uh, she, In fact, she asked the prison matron to ensure that her coffin would be lined with flannel and to make sure she had a warm and comfortable shroud. Oh, yeah, it's kind of sweet. I mean, she did murder an old woman, (laughs) (laughs) but at least she'll be warm in her. I want that. I'm going to put it in my will Um, that I need to be like wrapped in. I'm from Vermont, so I need to be wrapped in a lot of plaid flannel with a jug of maple syrup in my. (laughs) It's cold here. With a jug of maple syrup in my (laughs) arm. Oh, that is the most Vermont thing. I've With ever a tie-dye heard. Ben and Jerry shirt on. There you yep. go. And a wedge of cabbage cheese <laughs> as your pillow. <laughs> no, that's in my other arm. <laughs> oh, on, oh, I should stop laughing. This part's not funny. Okay. On the morning of Wednesday 15th, 1835, a crowd of approximately 50,000 gathered to witness the execution. That is, is that and like all of England at the time? That sounds like a lot of people. It does. For for Bristol in the 1830s, that's too many people. And there was an unusually carnival-esque atmosphere. I'm going to look the up the population of Bristol in 1825, was it? Oh, please do, because now I'm curious, because that's entirely too many people. Like, what, population of Bristol what is this? 1825. Like, that's how many people were, like at the the scene in Disney's Hunchback of, version of the Hunchback of Notre Dame when there's, there's like all the people in the crowd for the parade. The population of Bristol in 1821 was 52,889 people. Essentially the entire city. Okay. Well, I mean, it's the 1800s. There's not much entertainment happening, so I guess public execution is what you do and it's not even a weekend oh, no it's that the was the, the thing it, they, they they were big deals they were festivals they were um they were like um 
you know how like right now we're like oh captain marvel is coming out in theaters we all need to go and see it it's time was oh mary <laughs> mary burdock's being executed we need to go and see it it was literally the thing to do it was entertainment oh also one of the articles i was reading said that she was to be the first female execution at this new jail, because this was a newly built jail, and the gallows had just been erected the night before, so her verdict came back on a Monday. They were, like, still building the gallows on Tuesday. <laughs> like, slow down! We haven't even finished building the jail yet! <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, that's um, not funny. I know, it's, it's not funny at all, but it's... I don't know. Nervous laughter. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what else like to do. Every time happening. I hear about Ted um, Bundy, it's she, like I'm not laughing because I think this is funny. I'm laughing because it's nervous. It makes me nervous. Um. Also, one of the other articles I was reading says that she was only the third female execution in Bristol since the start of the 19th century. The previous execution of female prisoners was in 1802, when Martha Davis and Charlotte Bobbitt were hanged together. Um, for her execution, Marianne chose to wear a long black dress, dark shawl, black bonnet, That's and That's almost black as dramatic veil. as Mary Queen of Scots' um, execution. They did the thing at her hanging where she was holding a handkerchief, and she, when she was ready, she dropped the handkerchief, and that's when they knew to open the trapdoor. She was on the gallows, the trapdoor opened, and she was hanged at 1.40pm, and reportedly died without struggle, and she made no confession to the chaplain before her death. And a year before had seen the passing of the Anatomy Act, so her body would not be submitted for medical dissection, and she would be buried within the precincts of the new jail. She was 40 years old at the time of her execution. And that is the story of Marianne Murdoch. That's more than, like, because what I knew is that she was a very attractive woman who was kind of like, as our professor of sociology at our alma mater would say, she was sexually libidinous yeah yeah, yeah and um, that she had a boarding house and that she killed the person and uh, the old lady for her money and then she was executed that's all i really knew about it she was a beautiful woman who liked nice things and liked to make off with other people's property is what one one of the websites i was on described her They're like she had a habit of making off with other people's money well, that's the first one at her first job. She stole from her employers. Yeah. So. That's just, how do I word it? She didn't make good choices. But, yep, that's my episode. That's really interesting, Kevin. You did a really, really good job. Yeah. Thank that you. That was just, it's a lot to process. Would you like to know how I picked this? Yes, how I do. I picked her topic? Uh, I went on to Murderpedia, and I clicked on the link for all the <laughs> women killers and i just started scrolling through the list until i saw a name i sort of recognized that I had more it. than like two paragraphs so yes wikipedia and murderpedia thank you for thank making you our so podcast much. life easier uh should we tell people where yeah. we're from where they can find us i mean not where we're from <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, I'll tell you where I'm from if you get on the parkway heading south. First you pass Newark. No, okay, sorry. Um, We're on Twitter at uh, TFabMonsterPod is our handle. And our handle on Instagram is TrulyFabulouslyMonstrous, which is also our email, TrulyFabulouslyMonstrous at gmail.com if you wanted to send us stories. 
Maybe you're related to Clara Smith. Maybe you had a great, great, great relative that went to the execution. Maybe you know a lot about 18th century uh, chemistry and like history of chemical analysis and you get really excited about that. You want to share it with us? I will read those emails. I love that stuff. Maybe you just want to say hi. We like that too. You like that. We very much like that. Yeah, send us your send us your stuff. We will love it. All right, and then so then next week I will tell you a cryptid, and Hattie will tell you a true crime. And okay, uh, we hope you listen next week, but because that's all we have for today. Yep, we'll be there, and we hope you will too. Bye. Bye.